sure to. I will. I, I will be sure to. Okay. Okay. Did you do that? I did. Okay. So We've been rolling. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dead One Syndicate podcast. I am Drill88. And I am Dr. Blake. And this is episode 10. I can't believe it's already been over 10 weeks since starting this. Yep. And yep, we're here. Yeah, we are here. We're still here, <laughs> and I'm sure that's going to be the to the chagrin of many a people, but to the joy of many others, at least three. I can I, I can think of at least three people who's enjoying these. Yes. Um. So on this momentous occasion, uh, I do want to give a um, special thank you to uh, uh, two individuals specifically. One artist, thank you so much for sending us our first message. Um, really appreciate it um, if you're indeed still listening. And Lilith Nightshade, thank you so much for your continued support of us, constantly making sure that we're not screwing things up too terribly and um, helping us avoid certain pitfalls. We appreciate you. You are awesome. So, um, I guess that means it's time for the blurb. So, if you uh, want to be part of the podcast, you want to have your question read, you want to ha- hear us say your name, as long as it isn't anything too, you know, against TOS. If you just want to say hello, you want us to to enrapture us in a story, you can email us at deadonesyndicate at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, that is at D-O Syndicate. We are on TikTok and YouTube. Dead One Syndicate, and yeah, we are active on those. We interact with anybody who dares interact with us first. We do not bite unless requested, and you know, a waiver is signed. So, uh, ten episodes feels yeah. very surreal to say that out loud. Yeah, I didn't even like. I, I can't say that I didn't think that we would like continue this. I just thought that at some point we would have just like forgot <laughs> yeah yeah i feel, I feel you yeah. i mean technically i did forget once i didn't we didn't forget to do the episode i just forgot to upload it <laughs> but yeah air is human uh but yeah i feel I, I it's i mean it's good it's it's kind of one of those things where it's just that every the the day that we are spe- that we specifically set up for recording is just you know okay well, we get we're doing this, and it's just become second nature at this point because of mm-hmm, creatures mm-hmm. creature of habit. So, because once the habit is built, you can't pull it from our cold dead hands. I mean, you can, but it just takes a while. True. <laughs> He's dead. Why won't he let go? I don't know, dude. <laughs> and just the corpse is going mine. <laughs> no, just mine. <laughs> you cannot take it from me. <laughs> anyway, we're the Dead One Syndicate. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Segway. All right. Um, speaking of Segway, what are we talking about today? Because we've got some other topics that we wanted to like touch on, but this one I feel has kind of been like hinted at, and there's a huge like there's a lot of history behind it. Um, for both you and me and the hobby in general. So why don't you introduce us? Um, So today we are going to be discussing the stigma behind homebrew content. Oh boy. And there is a whole lot. Okay, let me just say, there is a very good reason why there is a stigma behind homebrew content. Because it Mm -hmm. does not have a very glamorous history. No, it doesn't. And it does, and and it also, it, it, and it also can, in the wrong hands be done incorrectly. Absolutely. And you know what? This would have been a perfect thing to add to the list of um, no right way, but definitely a wrong way. This this would have mm-hmm. been one of those things if, if I'd have thought about it. Yeah. Um, but hence, now we're talking about it solely, so now we have a full topic. Um, homebrew content, what's your experience as a player or as a DM? What's like a do you have any like bad uh, history with homebrew content? Um, I I can I can say that when it comes to uh, wanting to because the stuff that I DM'd was more of Vampire the Masquerade, so mm-hmm. there really wasn't 
at the and at the time there really wasn't too much homebrew going on with that um because it was all pretty straightforward and it's relatively easy but when it came to um playing in D&D um I didn't really start breaking into homebrew content until one of my one of my friends did a homebrew of um Warhammer 40k but with the D&D 5e system. Oh. Okay, yeah. now far be me to not 40k, just Warhammer. Sorry, I don't know why I said Okay, 40K, far be me to stand in the way of, you know, using whatever system with a theme you like because I'm a huge advocate of that, but 5e with the Warhammer universe, that feels sketchy. He, it, he did it well. Uh-huh. Um he knew what he was doing. He did it he did it very very well. Um it just felt at some points um until I changed my class because um I got killed. I got mm-hmm. my soul ripped out of my body. My character did. As one does. Um I was massively underpowered. I see. Being just alive. And we had, and it was it was the same for somebody else who was a who was a rogue who then got bit by a vampire, and then became massively powerful. Ah, I see. So like it wasn't like as you were, you might as well have just been like level one or something. But it wasn't until after something catastrophic happened to you, you basically became like Beeped equal up. power level. Yeah, like like it it, it felt like. Because it was a it was a quick campaign, it was a it was a quick campaign. So it wasn't really a one shot. It was a speed run to it was a speed run to twenty. Ah, I see. Um, so it was only supposed to be a few things here and there, and we. So, like at one point, it felt like everybody else was like level ten, but. I was level five. Ah. So it it, and and that's where and that's where balancing is it comes into play with homebrew, and that's Indeed. where I that's where I feel that a lot of the stigma comes from, from what I can gather. Yeah. But uh, um, what's your what's your story on? Um, Oh boy, uh, two fronts. One is a DM and one is a player. As a, as a DM, it was more along the lines of dealing with unplaytested material. And uh, shout out to Nick and Wesley, um, if you ever hear this. Um, the uh, the wizard of the um, the wizard of the of the group. They were, uh, they they chose I what was it lore wizard? It, it was one where you could basically augment your spells on the fly. I forget okay. it was it was unarmed arcana, um. But anyway, the official the the official name escapes me. But that was what they did, and they were able to change what the saving throws were for. Um, uh, certain spells. So whereas like fireball would require a dexterity save, they could just make fireball require an intelligence save to dodge. Oh wow! And so lore mastery or lore hold? It's uh, lore mastery. Lore hold is from the uh, Strixhaven, but yeah, lore mastery wizard. And they could like hyper pump up magic missile to deal like d8s of damage. And just like supercharge it, and and it was cool. It was a very high power game, but there came a point where I had to start coming up with resistances to force damage because that was their play. They would play, uh, they would play magic missile. They would pump it up and effectively turn it into magic nuke on a very short cooldown, and I. Okay, I don't want to say that I handled it necessarily right, 
but I don't know what else I could have done without taking away from the player. But I had them go to a different location in the in the game, and there were creatures there that were running rampant, and they specifically had resistance to force damage. So basically to prevent everything from being one shot. And they and this is like level twelve, level fifteen, somewhere in there. They had these really powerful spells and I had to start just giving like resistances and legendary reactions to stuff they would fight because otherwise it would just all be over and done within a moment. And you know, you want your fight to mean something. You don't want your character's level fifty Skyrim character on a new save, you know? Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily say I handled that correctly, but it was also I didn't foresee the proper issues that would have arisen from using that kind of content. And I handled it in the only way I really knew how at the time. This was years ago. I've played a lot more since then, so I'm not necessarily um, in that same mindset. Now, as a player, uh, (laughs) as a player, it was the first run-through of my character, one that you actually know as an NPC, Kronos. Mm -hmm. Dragonborn Artificer, he had guns, he was a rootin' tootin' shootin' dragon cowboy, essentially. But the whole thing was, I wanted to make cool guns, I wanted to make cool stuff, and I wanted to use my guns in cool ways. And this was before Artificer even had a proper release. It was still UA at that point and hadn't been touched in years. So, very seat of your pants with this. And my DM, bless his heart, as long as things made sense, he was totally down with it. And I applaud that as as a thing. But I made a revolver. I took the time, spent several sessions getting the materials, putting in the time, making a revolver. And Overwatch was very popular at the time. So... Who do you think one of my favorite characters in Overwatch is? Um, Cole Cassidy, as they are referred to now. Indeed. As a huge fan of the cowboy, who is from Texas, who is voiced by an amazing person, I was like, can I fan the hammer? Like, get in close, just expel all of the bullets left in my um, revolver at the time, and then I have to spend the whole next turn letting it cool down and reloading, otherwise the gun will break. He said sure. And we did like, instead, I think it was like 1d6 damage at a time. And, oh boy, it, um, 1d6 times 6 at level 3. Imagine how much damage you're putting out in a single round with two levels in fighter with action surge. (laughs) Yeah, whenever I say I dropped an adult dragon by myself, I'm not joking. Because all I had to do was get in close enough, take the penalty to fanning the hammer, and then just unload, then use my action surge to reload, and then hasted action, and then go again... And then add on top of that, I had access. I had access to Hex. And that was per shot. Damn. Yeah. It was absolutely busted. Even I knew how busted it was. And rather than nerf it necessarily, I made the conscious decision to not rely on that solely. I only used it pretty much as a finisher move to try to, like, things are bad, I'm going to get close to the boss, I'm going to fan the hammer, hopefully that brings him down. But what I also did was I went out of my way to build other weapons. I built a uh, sniper rifle that had a charge of fairy fire with a scope, Mm -hmm. so I could cast fairy fire at a ridiculously long range, and then I had a sniper rifle with advantage on an attack because they were hit by fairy fire. And 
it was it was a lot of fun play and and that's kind of where I get my DMing style to be perfectly honest because I like giving my characters big cool powerful stuff. I mean, I gave you um, the Devil's Coffin, a shape shifting weapon that okay, let's be honest. As compared to most other legendary weapons in D and D, where does the Devil's Coffin rank? I mean, it ranks pretty pretty damn high. Yeah, I mean, honest. it like it's 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 a yeah. Yeah, so I have no problem giving the, that kind of stuff to my players. I mean, and even you found out a way to break it that I hadn't even foreseen, but it makes sense, so I'm not going to say no that won't work. But <laughs> you talking about the ring? Yeah, the, the ring of spell storing. You have a legendary shape-shifting <laughs> weapon that can also just eat magic and spit it back out. That's not busted at all, but it makes sense. But here's the here's the big difference. I know what I'm getting into whenever I give this stuff to you people. And I feel like I I don't want to say I took advantage of the DM's kindness because I was kind of aware of it and I, you know, toned it back and I I didn't constantly hit press A button to win. But at yeah. the same time, it's definitely something that needed more work, needed more um, room to marinate, as it were. And, well, yeah, that's uh, that's that's um, the thing there. More than that, though, more than our own personal anecdotes of what is the stigma behind homebrew content. And we have... What we've done so far isn't necessarily a stigma, but rather a better handling of certain situations. The stigma comes from two places. Players or DMs, I'll count them as one because they do the same thing, who make up stuff. And I do, I, I generally feel that homebrew stuff is a little more on the player side because nine times out of ten, it's a player that's going to think this would be the coolest thing and I want to play this rather than a DM. Now, not saying that a DM won't make a really cool um, bad guy and then throw it untested, untinkered at a party and then thus you get a TPK because a vampiric um, shape-shifting Tarrasque showed up. But I feel like the onus is a little more on players because nine times out of ten, and it's not from a malicious place all the time, but I feel like it's them coming up with cool ideas and they want to see this really cool idea and the DM either doesn't look over it properly or just says, yeah, sure, go, whatever. And then you end up with effectively this absolute ridiculous powerhouse that can one-trick everything. Yeah, yeah. Because that and that's and that's that, that's a lot where the where I foresee it comes from mm -hmm. is is whether or not it's OP. That's why I whenever I bring up anything that is potentially homebrew to mm -hmm. you as a player, I am thoroughly going through and ensuring that it's not OP. Mm -hmm. Um and going through and discussing, you know, the ins and outs and this, that, and the other of what is, what is being done yeah. um, with it. <clears throat> like one, one thing that <clears throat> I kind of foresaw as being slightly overpowered was the Revenant class that I was initially for Eldro. When I yeah, yeah, him. you're right. You're uh the race was it? The race. Yeah. Because uh, it was he was kind of he was kind of OP. He did he needed to only like sit still for an hour and he would have a full rest. Yeah, and uh, being multi-classed into a warlock. Yeah. That would have been that would have been OP. Yeah, because then you just you you're constantly in that. It's that kind of stuff that makes that kind of pushes DMs into a position where they have to start making stuff up or being very out of character to have an answer for this one situation. And it, it yeah. would and it would be different if everybody had something similar. 
Like, you're a revenant, someone else was an elf, and they could just go into a trance for a minute. Someone else was, had, like, time dilation jutsu as a monk and could just hyperbolic time chamber their way through. Like, yeah. it, that'd be different. But when you have just the one character that does that, <laughs> it's hard to address it without it feeling like I'm picking on this person. Yeah. And, um... The... That's why I was looking for something else mm-hmm. when um, recreating him for this campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt that but 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 see, but at that point, we tested out something that uh, that I I as a player thought was too powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, what player doesn't want to feel all powerful in, in the campaign that they're in? The thespians. I, 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 I'm dead serious, slight tangent, but every time it's someone who's been like a theater kid or is in like, has been on stage at some point, they don't want power. They want drama and they will mm-hmm. get grab it any way they can. Yeah. And uh. It's, but, but, but like legitimately, like when you, I mean, I love the drama. I love the RP and you know, that goes without saying, but sure. the biggest the biggest portion of of it is your your stats is yep. and what your character can do and the fact that it's hard to kill a revenant yeah it it, it it's is harder to kill a revenant than it is to kill a vampire if you think about it yeah and so with that being said like i said i had to figure out and come up with something else that's why i went with hexblood um, still give him a cool aspect to him, kind of give him a little mysterious, you know. But I get I get some cool aspects with it. Yeah, sure. But and the stigma behind behind it is because of the balancing act that is not done with a lot of the uh, the homebrew content. And a lot of the times they don't go back and rebalance it after people have play tested it for them. They just say, no, this is it. I'm not, I'm not messing with it anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, the re I, I feel like a reason behind that is because there's been a lot of homebrew stuff created recently that is published. And I kind of feel like the stuff that is published goes through those motions like stuff that's on uh, drive through rpg dms guild even like stuff like kobold press and other uh, self-published works mm-hmm. but the stuff that doesn't end up there ends up on D wiki mm-hmm. and dude when was the last time you went through D wiki uh, i have gone through it a couple of times to be perfectly honest with you when i was trying to come up with the um um, the chain whip, the scythe whip. Yeah, like there is there so much. Busted... Oh yeah, <laughs> like when you go. Okay, just for instance, just the five e section of classes. There are so many classes in here. They have them by theme, by category, and by feature included, but not limited to, um. Classes with D4 hit dice, or classes with D10 hit dice, or racial classes, April Fool's classes, and classes with maintenance templates. Or every class that is currently already there, plus offshoots as their own. Like, there's there are pages of alchemist classes, as well as necromancer classes. And all of these, I genuinely do feel, well, most of them, I feel like most of these are from a very good place, from a very honest and earnest place, because people love to create. It's it's why we do what we do. We love making stuff. Yep. But I feel like the problem is that divide between they who create and they who use. Because these people who made this stuff, I, I do not think they had any bad intentions, but it's the people who they just default to, oh yeah, I've already rolled up my character. And then you find out, yeah, it's a homebrewed barbarian class that has, uh, it's the barbarian path of the stasis titan and um, uh, with the behemoth trait. I'm like, 
what? And I, dude, years ago, I used to listen to a podcast that they talked, there was a lot more people now talking about it that were about these just like rips straight off of D and D wiki where someone was trying to play a very, like a spaghetti Western, very, you know, that style of game, but then out of nowhere, Ninja. And I'm not talking like Naruto. I'm talking like Strider from the game with his plasma sword and his big mecha companions. And it's like, this is a fantasy game. What are you doing? It's like, no, this is my character. And this, uh, he, oh, and don't mind the, the eraser marks. Yeah, I, I rolled 18s on everything. And like, that's where I feel like the stigma comes from. It comes from the people yeah. who want to win D and D. They wanna they wanna oh, yeah. beat the DM. They wanna be the biggest. They wanna be the biggest uh, Duke Nukem that ever nuked. You know? Oh yeah. And that's like and like one thing that I would like to do on this podcast one time um, is I would like to just you and me sit down and we come up with our our own homebrew. On a on a show. Oh, I would love that. That would be great. Like, and <clears throat> with hopes that it would like really kind of showcase the the, and it kind of goes. There's no there's no right way to do it, but there is a wrong. Mm-hmm. And to so to show the right ways about going about it, because having the uh, having the idea and having the 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 will to make something more power to you yes absolutely i never want to get in in the way of someone else's creativity yes but but there is a wrong when you are when you when you blink and you can blink some you can blink 30 people out of existence it's like it's like going into it's like going into Minecraft or Valheim with and being in creator mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, and, at at level three. Yeah. And like, granted, I'm playing Valheim right now, and I'm on a new server, just myself. I just wanted to build something, so I'm in creative mode, just because I want to build something. I'm not doing anything yet. I'm not giving myself any of the like super amazing stuff. I just wanted to build something yeah and that was my intention behind it i just want to build and like create a world that if i wanted people to come in they could come in and the world would be already existing Mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna make myself all powerful and be like yeah only time I hit the K the the K to kill everything kill everything button is when I'm I'm out there and I and I see that there's like thirty freaking mobs around rushing at me and I, and I'm in the middle of building. Not That's today. <laughs> I don't feel like doing this. Not today. Yeah, and, and and I'm I'm just trying to build the base and that's all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I know where my power is. I know where my power ends. Yeah. I know when it should end. So, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be powerful, but that's what the no. late game is for. You know, yes. like I feel like one of the biggest problems with all of these different kinds of homebrew classes and why people just flock to them instantly and like put no real like beta testing into it is because they want to get that rush of being super cool and powerful, but a lot of them just don't want to do the legwork to get there naturally. Like, I'll, I'll say this right now. If somebody, if, if we were to do like a level 21 shot, and it's like you versus the god of chaos and time and the nether immortal, I would, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do that. I don't know when, but th- this is what I'm going to do. Okay, these are the players. Make me... This is the spreadsheet for your stats, starting at level 1. Make me a level 20 character. Yes, homebrew. If you could if you could print out a page where the homebrew exists, run it by me first, anything's game. That 
is what people want when they make this kind of stuff. That is what they want to get to. They want that big epic level 20 awesomeness, but yeah. they they don't they, want to slog through the Yeah. And like for uh, dude, that would be an awesome. Like okay, you could be any class that you want, but it has to be off of D&D wiki. Oh man. Level 20 one shot with that Oh, dude, I would be able to pull out so much stuff and I would have no remorse for it because I know you guys are going to get some amazing, fun stuff. And I've <sighs> homebrew is such a part of the hobby. And, 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 and actually, it, it brings up what I wanted to uh, bring into. What is the good sides of homebrew? How does how does homebrew help elevate the experience? And what are some good moments involving? Uh, homebrew. So how I feel that homebrew can elevate the experience is because you are so limited uh, on a lot of the things that you you can be in the game. Sure. Race-wise, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you create a character and it doesn't fit any of the molds of yeah. any of the races. You know, maybe you want to be a, you know, dark aberration. You know, but you you can't be that with any of the core the core races. So you have to you have to you know see if it's okay and to be a dark aberration. Yeah, and, I mean, perfect example would be a necromancer because outside yeah. of the subclass for wizard, there isn't anything for necromancer. And I can see like you yourself even would love to play a necromancer in a game. Like, a oh, legit yeah. statted out, has its own um, stat and progression, like, that'd be but, it. Well, and the other thing is, is that you've got other, you've got other classes out there that feel so limited. Um, and they just don't, they just don't have much out there, and it feels like they don't get enough love. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, um, Barbarian doesn't have nearly as much, like, you know, subclasses as any of the other ones. Can you imagine if there was an, as many subclasses for every class as there was for clerics? The bo- that there, would be nuts. That would be nuts. There would be so many books. That'd be nuts, but that would be fun. Yeah. Because, like, like, okay, so a barbarian. You've got wild magic, totem warrior, zealot, beast, berserker, storm herald, battle rager, and ancestral guardian. Yes. Why can't you have one that, like, has, like, dark at magic energy around it? Like, None of them uh, really do. no, no, like there's the rage and then there's um, relentless rage and stuff, but there's nothing like, okay, um, have you ever seen uh, Street Fighter? Yeah. Uh, Kuma. Yeah. Or, or Dark, or Dark Ryu, like something like yeah. that? Bruh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Just like dark energy rising off of you and every punch that you do or attack you do just is laced with necrotic energy. Like, what that's if, awesome. Well, now what now imagine okay and imagine if you will that if you ha- like you had that energy but you come off as this meek like individual almost like an incredible hulk and bruce banner situation that'd be awesome the the moment that you rage you just like like muscle up and just become this mass of like destruction yeah and like that would be that would be cool that yes, would, it would. That would add be that would add something to it, and that since they don't have that, you would have to look to homebrew or homebrew something yourself along those lines, like uh, a blood barbarian, like like somebody who is akin to the blood hunters, mm-hmm. but in barbarian form. That'd like, be interesting. I'd be down for that. Like stuff like that, like. Barbarians, like, I, I feel, I feel as if there's not enough. There, there's a yes. You can 
cross class, and I know that people are going to say that, but what if you just made the class be that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Took bits of each of the both of the classes, base barbarian, then bits of another class, and put it in there. A necromatic barbarian. <laughs> Bro. Uh... Can cast bone armor on themselves. Yeah, like their rage manifests like bone armor or uh, their weapons just kind of like apparates into form. This is this massive sharpened uh, bone and tusk and fang in the shape of an axe. Right there. That's badass. That, but that, but you would have to balance it. You would have to figure out you, and, and the way, and I feel that the, what happens a lot of the times is that they take, they take the base of an idea and then they just amp it up 20, 20 fold and they don't bother to tweak it. Yeah. And, and, like, and put, put the level 20 stuff at like level five and then just add more stuff at the level 20. Like, there's no real progression there. Like, like okay, perfect thing, perfect thing, just for example, if you were to do the Necromantic Barbarian, and, like, perfect, perfect, perfect drawback for this. He goes into a rage, and then when he comes out of a rage, you have to make a ridiculously high con save. Otherwise, you take necrotic damage. Just instantly, boom, necrotic damage taken. Mm-hmm. Like, one, yeah. it's thematic. It adds risk and reward, just like the wild magic from a sorcerer. Like, yes, and the, they have, and they have their own wild magic form too. Yeah. So, do. yeah, they do. So, why not take? And I get we're getting a little off topic, but it's just a cool idea. Why not have that? Neck, why not have that barbarian? Okay, I've always been a very firm believer of equivalent exchange and power balance. If something is so powerful, it needs one of two limiters. One, you have to be X level to access it, or there needs to be a drawback involved. Because yeah. and then and then at X level you can get rid of that drawback, or at least lessen the drawback. Well, you could lessen it to the point where you've because you've become so used to it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know what's going to happen, and you know you you've dealt with this for so long. You know how to you know how what the what the risk it what the risk was, but you have gone down this path so long that it doesn't phase you anymore. Sure, yeah. Like, but at that like you know like level two you get you at or you know what level one you get rage. And you know when you when you can pick your primal path, which is level three, that that your rage becomes a little bit more exponentially stronger, a mm-hmm. teensy bit exponentially stronger, and you have that happen to you. But eventually, at level fifteen, it doesn't phase you anymore. Yeah. But that's level fifteen. You have five le- five more levels, and you're level twenty. That means that you've mastered. It took you, it took you twelve levels to master that yep. aspect. Absolutely. But people, people want at level three to have that uh, the, uh, that badass rage thing, and then or and then at five they get more badassery, and then ten they're like even more stronger. And by the time they're level twenty, they're they're the gods of gods god. Yeah, exactly. Like at level five, you're fighting god. Level ten, you are god. Level twenty, you're breaking the fourth wall and punching the demon in the face. Yeah. And mm, cause and it's such a shame because anytime you mention, at least to I, I assume this is what happens to other people because I don't necessarily have the problem with it, but I feel like there is just so much wariness when it comes to homebrew content and people if it's not in the book or if it's not like a published source of this thing it's not in my game at all well you're just kind of you're kind of limiting yourself on what is potentially a really really cool idea and to excuse me um to to kind of like get back and like what makes it great yeah you have all those moments but 
think about this for a moment. Despite them jumping from one system to the other, he was able to make this and not only make it bigger and better, but he eventually published his own book. And I don't go this route often, so you know it means something. Matt Mercer with Critical Role, with Exandria. That whole thing is so cool and so well thought out. Like, I love the amount of love and attention and just everything that he's put into it. That, the Blood Hunter class, the the different subclasses that he's built into the The, game. uh, Yeah, the the fighter subclass of um, gun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, like, all those things, that is the potential of homebrew. And and it's been a long-time dream of mine to do something like this, but I've always wanted to put together a list of... Effectively, that's all it is. That's all these published ideas are. All these finished and well-thought-out and printed and you're holding it physically in your hand. All these ideas, they're just homebrew. But they put in that little extra bit of work. They put in that extra work to become more than homebrew. Like, another really great one is the... um, I don't remember the publisher's name, but it's the Codex of Forbidden Secrets. Um, That is an amazing compendium of warlock subclasses. From, I think, like 12 or 13 different patrons... All with their own unique stuff. One of them being the uh, the Ashen Guardian, or one of them being the Spirit of the Wolf. One of them being the Cat Thief, the Archive, the um, Gates to the Underworld. All these big ideas for patrons that when you, if you if you were just describe them to me, I was like, that feels homebrewy as heck. But it's a yeah. published book. And not only that, they didn't just do it just for warlocks, even though warlocks are supreme, and no one can tell me otherwise. But they also took those individual subclasses for warlocks and then made a way for all the other classes to have access to them. The patron of the Immortal Citadel is also an oath for the Paladin. The patron of the Cat Thief is also a subclass for the Rogue. And that's what that's what that is. That is having the coolness of everything, but making it to where it's not just one thing. I mean, you could run an entire campaign with every class in the book out of that one book, and it would all fit. It could all work easily. And then, um, oh, what was their name? Uh, the Adventure Zone. They have their uh, no acquisitions incorporated. That's who it was. They have their own book as well. But see, and that's but 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 see that is the thing. They have their own books, but they spent the time. They tested it out before they put before they put it to print. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest issue, where a lot of people don't really go with that. They don't go further than conception yeah yeah you're right they just and that's that is why there is that there is that stigma is because because there is no balancing there is no this or that and like and honestly like you know breaking the fourth wall myself here like if you guys want to hear us make up some homebrew races and or class subclasses let us know oh yeah absolutely and then if you like it we'll figure out a way to put it up somewhere and tell where it's at but legitimately like then you could be our testers like for it Oh, I would love a Dead One Syndicate branded uh, subclasses and uh, just content. Oh, that would be awesome, like, dude! You know R- the the, R2, the seal R2 on R2 that R2. would be so good. Oh yeah, an R two twisted brains. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like, like 
I, I, I can think of a million and one things that I would love to see in D and D. Absolutely. And I would, I, and I would honestly love, like, I, I kept hoping and hoping that they would bring back the Book of Vile Darkness. Oh right? my gosh, yes. Because I had it for three, three point five. I bought it for three point five. They came out with for four e, but they never released it for five. And I was looking forward to seeing the Book of Vile Darkness for 5e. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love it if we transposed the Book of Vile Darkness to 5e, or if somebody already did. I would love to see that. And there's, and that honestly is homebrew content. Yeah. As well, like whenever you transpose something over to something else. Like, there's Final Fantasy 14 versions of 5e. Yep. There is World of Warcraft 5e. There, there's you know, Bloodborne. There's, so- there's Sonic the Hedgehog. There's, oh, the there's, amount of Pokemon stuff that's out there. Yeah, I mean, those are all homebrew content. And essentially what you're doing is, if you say you don't like homebrew content you're putting limiters on everything even yourself yep because let, let's be honest for just a quick second if you've ever made your own world and you've ever wanted someone to be in that world that's homebrew content if you've ever ran it or an original campaign that's homebrew if you've ever made up an NPC that was not in the book already technically speaking that's homebrew yep and here's the other thing. If if you don't like homebrew because you don't want to mess around with homebrew, that's fine. Sure. That not saying that your fun is wrong. You as the DM, you have the final say in it. But I would challenge DMs to do this. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes to you with a homebrew something. Look it over. Talk to the talk to your player. Find out why they specifically chose that. Then, if you feel it's too overpowered, work with your player to redo that class. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a weapon. Maybe it's a class. Maybe it's a backstory or a. Or a feat that they just want to be able to get, like oh, at the beginning of this. Like we were talking about something that I'm not going to say out say out loud because if anybody listen, anybody from the the table listens to this, I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> but hi guys. <laughs> but we but it we were talking about something that I mean essentially would be have to be homebrewed. Mm-hmm. Like like conditions etc etc like a situation a homebrew situation with a homebrew item i would think that it was a homebrew item but we were conversing about it and that that when you can when you shut down your players immediately without finding out why they specifically chose that because if you talk to your players and they're like, well, I just want to be powerful, then you know what kind of player they're going to be. And you yeah. may not, you may want to think about, think about that at that point. But if they're saying, well, it's a cool ass class and I want to feel, and, and like this character that I'm making, it suits this more than it suits anything that I've read, it, read up in the books. And I just can't get into this. And I fell in love with this. Mm-hmm. And to and you know what this is a little off topic, but I feel like it's, like it's very relevant to the you know having a conversation with your player. There is a huge stigma behind people playing a caricature or having a caricature as inspiration. Like you have someone who's like, oh, he wants to, uh, the guy's trying to be Kratos from God of War. Okay, let him have the opportunity to become the coolness that is Kratos God of War. 
He's not going to be Kratos. He's not going to be the God of War, although he might be, depending on how the story goes. But don't shut down what could start them making a very creative character. Now, if, they, if they're, like, going, boy, the entire time, <laughs> you... Let them have their fun, sure, as long as they're not causing a disruption to the table, it doesn't matter. But you with your character, Trevor frickin' Belmont. Like, mm-hmm. that was your inspiration for Edgar at the very beginning. And he slowly became a more of a character unto his own. But that was where it started. And there's nothing wrong with that. If someone said, I wanted to build um, Link from Twilight Princess, I'm like, Okay, so elf, half-elf, warrior possibly, good with swords, good with shields, very good with gadgets. Cool. Link doesn't talk ever, and you're chatty, so I want to see where you take this. I I think this could be fun, and I want to see where you take this. There's nothing wrong with you doing that, because you are not going to be Link at the end of the day. You are going to be someone far, far more interesting in my eyes, because you're taking an idea and evolving it, and that is homebrew i mean even myself um i never got the chance to run it and i think you'll know where i'm coming from whenever i say this i wanted to play a uh card magician i wanted to play a kind of a half rogue half spellcaster (laughs) and that was his weapon was he would take playing cards throw them hit them and he had other abilities that he would eventually learn i never got to finish the character but yeah yeah, if you like squint at it like with one eye you don't even need to squint with both eyes oh that's twisted fate from league of legends yes (laughs) but yes it's twisted fate from league of legends because i like the aesthetic i like the style but that was not where the character was going to end up he wasn't no. going to be this suave talking guy who had an ex-partner who turned out to be a bounty hunter later in life and they used to both be pirates but now they're both out of the pirate game and they have this it wasn't going to be that 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 character was going to be in um uh Descent into Avernus Imagine Twisted Fate imagine this smarmy card shark going to going to Hades, <laughs> going to the literal ninth circle. <laughs> like there's no way he would be the same character because no. it's not the writer of Twisted Fate, and it's not the voice of Twisted Fate behind him controlling the character. It's me. I'm well, controlling the character, and I'm going to react differently, and it's going to make it something original and new. It may be born in what yeah. people recognize, but that's fine. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. I had a character who was originally born from the idea of uh, Jack Sparrow. Oh, yes. Nice. But he became an entirely different character. Yep. Like, an entirely different character at the end. And, like, it's okay to take ideas from something else. It, it is. And that and that is essentially homebrewing your character. Like, you are... You are taking and the because the idea of homebrew is you're taking a concept and you are tweaking it mm-hmm. to make it yours. You're gonna find some way to make this idea fit in this puzzle box, which is the game, because yes. you want to see how this mechanic would work in this game. You, you are essentially taking a puppy dog puzzle and you're turning it into an Escher painting. And you know what? If you, it, if you can make it work, go for it. Absolutely go for it. But yeah. When it, so, and I feel that, that the, the, we, we did hit the nail on the head repeatedly, but the stigma behind it is because nobody goes, for the most part, goes back and fixes what they have put up there. Mm-hmm. What what they what they 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 don't test it. They don't try it out. They don't do anything of that nature. It's we're doing this, and that's it. There is no more communication. There's no there's no this. There's no that. It's just you know, Bing Bong, boom, done. Yeah, like oh, dude, I can't tell you how many times I have seen 
um, unfinished classes on D&D Wiki that start so good, but then, like, there's nothing past level 5. And I'm like, no, keep going. This was a good start. I want to see more. I want to I play the necromantic rogue monk. Like, I, wa- I want to yeah. see that. That's a cool idea. But one reason or another, it just never gets finished. And, and it, I like and I like dark class. I, I I like playing darker classes. I like playing darker themed classes. I should say gothic classes. Yeah. And like, you you know what I would love to see? What would you like to see? The demon hunter from Diablo three. Bruh, bruh, that'd be dope. Cause yeah, when ranger. you think about it. When you think about it, there's nothing really in the classes that I could think of that would even become close to that. But a ranger subclass that instead of uh, favored enemy, demons and the undead, um, they had a proficiency that allowed them to be more mobile and gave them advantages against going more, you know, headlong into those kind of situations. With the proficiencies of hand crossbows. Yeah, absolutely. Like, mmm. Like, like right there, bam, we just started the creation of, of a class from something else and put it into Dungeons and & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 thing, the, thing about, the thing about everything is that at this point, at this point in our lives, at this point in literature and any form of creativity, it is hard not to pull inspiration from something else mm-hmm. because you there is so much out there that we have consumed over the time that we are even sub even if subconsciously going to be pulling something from something else yep and that's okay just don't blatantly rip off at that point, you know, make it make it your own flair to it. Make it your own, you know, have have your have its own thing. Like we just created like a few classes off off cuff, off the top of our head, which and, I think we should do sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but like, if we took a little more time, put a little more elbow grease into that, did a little like one shot play testing, there's nothing saying that that couldn't be its own thing. Like, Cobalt Press is one of the biggest, like, indie developers when it comes to D&D content. Um, the, the Codex of Forbidden Secrets, amazing work. They, they've got their own website for that kind of stuff. The DMs Guild, a mm-hmm. nexus of content of stuff that has been printed. And some of those things are, like, super popular. Some of those things are, like, really, really big and good. And they all had to start somewhere. But they did not start from staying in the box. They did not start by strictly going, rules is written, no homebrew. They all had yeah. to start as a homebrew somewhere. So I challenge I challenge DMs to do that. I do challenge you to do that. If somebody wants to do a homebrew and you are not particularly fond of it, find out why they want to do homebrew. Mm-hmm. Find out their their reasoning behind it. Then from there, if it's something that you can work with them, you might see how much fun it is to tweak around something. You 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 won't know until you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and if 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 it's too much work for you at that point. Then, then you have to, you know, obviously you're just going to stick with what you're going to stick with, but at least ask that question so that you could find out what they want because m- nine times out of ten, maybe your players don't even know that even within the rules is written, there's a way to get as closely to that Absolutely. as, po- as possible. Absolutely. So, homebrew, yes, it can be absolutely over, over fucking powerful. And there and, is a, and there's a long history as to why. However, yes. 
However, a lot it has come a long way. There are places where you can find not overpowered things. There are, but at the same t- at the same token, it opens up communication. It opens up talk. It's a ground point for where you where you can go with things. Uh. It is literally a seed seed that is planted to open up wondrous stories. And as we've been saying through the entirety of these last 10 episodes, we keep coming back to it because it's so important. Have rule zero. Yep. Don't set boundaries. Find out what your expectations are and be honest and work with one another. And on that, exactly on the point of one hour, I think that's a Woo! very good time to go ahead and call it. Any any final thoughts? Any final things? Nope. Um, the only thing that I can say is is the email that Dre is about to pimp out once more. Yes, if indeed. You, if you want to see us, or hear us, I should say, um, create on a podcast, or, or however many, um, uh, homebrew classes. Let us know. Let us know um, what class you may want to have tweaked. What uh, tell us your own homebrew stories, um, be it good or bad. And if they're terrible, uh, we may. Uh, if either way, we may read them. Uh, yes, the indeed. Air. Yes, so. indeed. So to do all that stuff that he just talked about, you can send that information to deadonesyndicate at gmail.com. Don't forget, we are on YouTube, and we are on TikTok, and we are on Twitter. Twitter is D-O-Syndicate, and TikTok and YouTube is Dead Ones Syndicate. We talk to everybody, we see everybody, we see all and know very, very little, if we're being honest. <laughs> but uh, until next time, thank you guys so much for listening through these first ten episodes of this little crazy experiment thank you very much for listening if indeed you still are and continue to be excellent to one another later peace